We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. You know what? You know when a person has lost their why. Let's go back to that. Help that person find it again help that person find it again. And maybe they'll find it through your modeling because they can see through you the possibility of tomorrow. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Brian McCann recently began his 17th year as principal of Joseph Case High School in Swansea, Mass., from which he graduated in 1980. Brian has a bachelor's degree from Boston College in English and Speech Theater, a master's degree in journalism from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and a CAGS from Fitchburg State College in Educational Leadership and Management. He began teaching at his alma mater in 1989, taught English and journalism for 11 years, and transitioned to high school administration in 2000. Brian chairs the Massachusetts Schools Administrators Association High School Committee and represents this group on the MSAA Board of Directors. He is the current chair of the state's high school volleyball committee and is a past president of the Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association's Board of Directors. Brian McCann was Massachusetts 2011 High School Principal of the Year and is currently one of NASSP's 2018 National Digital Principals of the Year. As you can tell from his biography, he is quite accomplished. He is an educational hero of mine. I've been lucky enough to work with him and uh, love to follow him as he's doing all the things he's doing. So I am happy to have him on this podcast and count myself lucky to hear some of the great things he's going to say. Welcome, Brian. How are you today? I am very good, Dr. Jones. How are you, my friend? I am excellent. And um, we've heard a lot about your where you've been and some of the accomplishments you've had. But when it comes down to it, what do you love about being a school leader? Let's start there. 
Wow. What I love about being a school leader is that we have the power every day to change a child's life. Every day we are given this opportunity to be, perhaps we are the only positive words that that child might have heard in the past 24 hours, but we we are given a tremendous responsibility and that's the best part of my job, to build a sense of community, to connect with children, to connect with the adults in our, in my school community, to build relationships. Because after you build a sound foundation of relationships, that is when the magic can happen. You know, it's it's excellent that you said that because one of the reasons I moved into the position I'm into and why I, I support teachers the way I do is because I feel as if I can get teachers in on that sense of community and relationship building, then I can affect more students. I, I couldn't agree more. It is so important to connect with students. And I and it, it, it is such it has been such a journey. So, you know, unlike I'd say most educators, this is the only place I've ever taught. I mean, literally, I have been in this building with the exception of being at a college and grad school. I have been here since 1976 as a student, as a teacher, as an assistant principal, and I'm finishing my 17th year as the building principal. But, but things have changed so much. I think back to my, you know, my early years of teaching, and I'm sure... I, I don't know. I mean, people say, oh, how wonderful I was. I think, I don't know how wonderful it It seemed to me I, I created a world of like, it was all about no, don't come late and don't ask for this and know this and no, you're not going to do this and don't ask for a pen. It was all the world of no. And and our world now in 2021, pandemic or or, or post-pandemic, is all about, yes, what about opportunities, about, you know, relationships first. Then, you know, we spend, we have a, a hashtag we've used for the past five years, hashtag first three days. And I, I, I received a challenge to do this with a, a, an educator friend of mine in uh, Ohio. And then I, um, I worked, worked with my dear friend, Marty Gagan, to, to kind of brainstorm how are we going to do the first three days. So we spend the first three days of every year just to build relationships because we say you have 177 other ones to, you know, fulfill your curriculum journey. Let's build some relationships first. So tell me what that looks like. How do you, as your leader, get your teachers involved in that? Because you're at the high school level and often, you know, whether good or bad, sometimes high schools get painted with the with the picture that all we care about is moving through the curriculum and making sure we get kids for tests and things. So, so I say, I don't want to hear the word no. Don't be giving your rules, right? We've had enough of, you know, again, no eating, no, no, no gum chewing, all of, all of those like McCann 80 classroom things. That, that, what, what do you get to know your students. So, so even some of those icebreakers, right? You can Google icebreakers and you can come up with, you know, a bazillion different ways of learning a little bit more about your student. Wouldn't that be nice to do in the first couple of days? So then, you know, if it, in, in a regular school year, come mid-September and, oh, oh, there's a football game tonight here. Uh, how do, how, you're a member of the team, you know, Charlie, how do you think it's going to go? You asked him a question about, about his, you know, a personal connection this child has with the school here. You're already winning on this. Or, oh, oh, I see they posted the cast list of the school play. Congratulations about, you know, um, of, of getting a really good role in it or, or whatever. Um, one of the other things to build, bring in the whole community is 
at the end of the first three days, I have an all school pep rally to end the first week of school. And there's really nothing to do with athletics. I mean, you're not like just cheering on this team. It has to do with other students seeing where their peers are connecting. So we might begin it with like, um, right now we're doing a production of Mamma Mia at the, at the high school. This was September, 2019. If you're involved on stage or backstage of Mamma Mia, please come to the center of the gym. And I mean, we have a huge drama program here. I'm sure that's not a spoiler alert. Right. No, not uh, at all. No, not at all. I, anyway, I was quite aware of that. Okay. <laughs> uh, a huge drama program. So when you have, you know, 250 kids from a school of 530 go to the center of the, of the gymnasium for, for the other, you know, the other 200 plus kids saying, hmm, I wonder why most of the school is involved with this. Maybe I'll check it out. Or, oh, or isn't it funny? I didn't know he was involved in Mamma Mia. I'm also on the football team with him and he does drama. Hmm, I wonder how that happens. So we do that, you know, for theater, for band, all of the fall sports, but who's in the National Honor Society? Who's on the school newspaper? Who's in our unified sports. That's an awesome one. So we, we, we have uh, our students from um, some of our substantially separate programs who are doing uh, yeah. athletics, the state's unified program. And you can, oh, isn't that interesting? I, I didn't know we could be a part of this. I wonder how I get more information because we always give like the coach or the advisor's name and where they could go for more information. That's an awesome thing. And the band's playing and people feel great about themselves. We even have like the dance company, you know, put together a, a special opening number they rehearsed for for the first couple, uh, you know, for a couple weeks in, in summer when you can all do all that stuff. So it was really, it's just it's such a magical time. And, and, and I, I don't use that word like, 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 like we have magic every day. No, I think we're, we do okay. Um, it's really magical to see your community come together for things that include sports, but just not, not sport. No, not just sports. Not just sports. Sorry. Yeah, no. Sorry, I had a little, little syntax problem there. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's important because you talk about, you know, instead of just recognizing sports like pep rally, I mean, you've been, so you've been talking for about five minutes and you've already given me something personally that now I want to look into. I mean, who would have thought an all school pep rally celebrating the end of the first week? Because realistically, when students come in as, as freshmen, they're just getting the whole idea of high school. They're not necessarily getting involved in anything. And you notice a bump sophomore year. Right. But boy, if you could grab those freshmen earlier with something or like don't that. Don't you just, even, even as freshmen come in here, don't you just want to be part of a smaller community, a microcosm within your larger community? And if you could just, you know, get, isn't that funny? I didn't know that that kid in my Spanish class also did school newspaper. I wonder what that means. Right, it, right. It encourages the next question, which is, and, and we'll also tell, like, when is the first meeting of it? Um, you know, the, um, we have something called the Chess and Games Club. You know, Chess and Games Club meets every Wednesday. So if you're interested in playing Catan, you know, go see uh, Senora Pereira in room 255 uh, next Wednesday. So so it, it's really a great thing. So that's, again, a, a priority of relationships and that we have every student, every teacher is, you know, packed into the gym. And of course, you can't do stuff like that this year. But I think we will be able to continue that. Next year, we get feedback from teachers. Like, like the first year, I was like, absolutely no teaching the first three days. And they said, well, can't we kind of like, just kind of like slowly, like, like, you know, build the muscle because, you know, come out, uh, we begin 
before Labor Day. So then they come back after Labor Day thinking high school is great. Nothing but, you know, um, uh, building relationships and, you know, making card houses and all those things. Um, and it's like, welcome to honors chemistry. And they're like, what? Yeah, so, 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 I mean, one of the, one of the things, you know, the feedback we get from, from teachers and, and students are like that in that three days, just kind of a gradual thing, but it's not like on day one, Oh, here, here's your summer reading test. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, there's another great thing I, I can talk about here, our summer reading program. I am so proud of our summer reading program. And like, what principal says that, right? I'm proud of our summer reading program because I think in most schools, it's the English department comes up with whatever. Though I think at your school, you do something really interesting. I, I believe you do. Don't tell them the brackets. The yeah, sports the, brackets. The summer read smackdown. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting that you start with, you know, 50 or so titles and, that, and then it kind of right. goes to. So I think that is really interesting. And that builds, you know, that builds community that. So I always, I always, between you and I, Dr. Jones, I always like that idea. It's not the model I use here, but I really think it's a great model. So. <laughs> I, I had this dream maybe about 10, 12 years ago. Wouldn't it be neat if we could all do a school-wide reading book, K, uh, nine, grades 9 through 12? And, you know, and, and I mean, it worked okay for the first couple of books that, that we came up with. But then it really became a chore because it was just about, like, how are we going to test these kids? Or, oh, the kids who don't read the book are going to get, um, you know, they're going to get a zero. And then, so imagine, like, being second week of school and you already have a zero average and there's no way that you can bounce back from it the whole year. Oh, that's awesome teaching, right? That's awesome education. So I was like, well, what's the purpose of summer reading? You know, just to kind of, again, I'll, I'll use I'll use the, the noun muscle again. It's to kind of keep our muscles toned here. So I thought, wouldn't it be really, really cool if we could come up with a summer reading title, but not do it for a test? So so in 2013, I'm down in Florida with my family. My oldest comes, you know, down to the pool at the condo and says, oh my goodness, something terrible has happened in Boston. I was like, what? She said, there's a problem at the Boston Marathon. I said, no, of course there isn't. What, what problem could they be? And so like we go to, you know, we, we went upstairs and looked on the TV and then we're glued to the TV like everyone else. I mean, it, it broke all of our, our hearts and, you know, just the randomness of tragedy. I come back to school. One of my one of my seniors at the time is, you know, a bull witness to it was was up there on on Boylston Street, maybe not right at the the site, but close enough that it had an impact. And she wants to sell, you know, sell buttons and then donate the money. I said, yeah, sure. But just I realized how how this state event was starting to have impact in the community. And then I went on an analogous story on a NIAS visit. And this is the old NIAS model where I was I was on the team and I had to gather some data from the librarian. I forget like how many computers were available during the school day. You know, just just counting stuff. And anyway, so while she was doing her counting, one, two, three, four, I'm just like browsing the titles, browsing the titles in her library with my phone saying, hmm, I wonder what I haven't read here. So just to get some ideas. And I come across this chestnut from, I believe it's 1929 by Thornton Wilder. Now, Thornton Wilder, I know as an, an American theater writer he, from The Matchmaker, Our Town, Skin of Our Teeth. I mean, th these, these are popular. But I didn't know he wrote, I didn't know he wrote novels. And this is a book called The Bridge of San Luis Rey. And I said, hmm, isn't that interesting? Oh, it's short. Even better. I like a nice short book. So I put it in my, my phone and 
it was during that week when we were wa- uh, down in Florida, we're watching the TV, we're watching all of this awful tragedy on like really just un- unravel in our community because we're not too far from UMass Dartmouth, right? Where they're, where they're doing sweeps of rooms because yes. there might be some connection to this and you know, helicopters. Or, I mean, it's, it's really close to us. So I was, you know, I'm watching this and, I, and something po- pokes in my mind. And I come across this uh, Bridge of St. Louis race. So I like look on Amazon or Wikipedia, like what is this, what is this book about? And it's about uh, in the, I believe, 18th century, down in South America, five different people cross a rope bridge and the bridge collapses. And it's five different stories that is connected in a national tragedy. And I was like, hmm, I wonder. My May faculty gathering, a faculty meeting or community meeting, whatever moniker we're using, I just put out this thing. I said, if I buy you a book this summer, would you consider reading it and then in the fall, we will uh, we'll also make it the school-wide reading title. And then in the fall, we're going to do an interdisciplinary day. You read that book and find something that speaks to you from that book and do an activity, whether it takes five minutes or 45 minutes in the class. If you're interested in doing this, give your name to Pauline. Pauline's our administrative assistant in the main office. Give your name to Pauline because um, I'm interested in kind of looking at a new model for for summer reading. So driving home, I thought I could get 35, 40% of the teachers on board because I'm not paying anyone to do this, right? If I could get them on board, I think I could, I think I could swing it. So I did say, how do we expect our students to be risk takers if we as educators are not? So I did, I did throw a little shade on it, on it in terms of that. (laughs) But by the time I got home, no, that's a lie. By the the next day, I inquired with Pauline, and I said, "How many?" And she's like, "Oh, we already have, you know, a, a really good number on it." And I think within I don't know forty eight hours, I think I had hundred percent of the teachers saying they were willing to try. Wow. Now I had to buy the book, and I kept looking for it and looking for it, and it was just too expensive. I didn't, I wasn't sure how I was going to pay for this. <laughs> but then I honestly, I, I was making supper one day uh, for my family. My kids were young. I was making supper, and all of a sudden, I get this like epiphany. They're like, Brian, look on Amazon right now for that book. No word of a lie. I go upstairs to the computer. I type in Bridge of San Luis Ray for, for like four seconds. It was on sale for $5 a copy. Oh, wow. And it used to be like 12. So I bought a hundred. Co- no, yeah, no, I think I bought a hundred copies of it. Like, boom, I just bought it. I wasn't sure how I was going to pay for it from the school, <laughs> but I was going to worry about that. And so I was able to give it out to the teachers. And I'll tell you this, Chris, when we came back from September, and it might have been 105 pages, but it was 105 tough pages. Yeah. But teachers did it. And then they came up with the most awesome, awesome activities based on St. Louis, Bridge of St. Louis Ray. And even if the kid, I mean, there are kids, no matter what book, you, they're not going to read the book. Even kids who didn't read it got exposed to the book. So we picked one Friday in September. We had a true interdisciplinary day where everything that happened in that school revolved around some component of Bridges San Louis Ray. If you're in computers, you took some data from one chapter and you wrote a program for it. They made up some sort of game in, in phys ed class that involved balls. and Oh, no, no, they build a rope bridge and what happens when it collapses. But my, my, my two favorites was one in a woodshop class. They took it as an opportunity to stress the importance of state 
local and federal safety guidelines, guidelines that yeah. were not in place back then. What guidelines should have been in place? I mean, that, that's profound discussion here. I mean, it was wonderful in world language, wonderful in um, English literature classes. And my other one was in chemistry, that there was one character, one of the five people who crossed the bridge was an actress, you know, actress in the 1700s. And actors at that point, the, 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 the lighting is all candles. So their makeup that they put on, they would, it would be very thick makeup, but it was mercury based. And that's what he, he talked about. He talked about, you know, the dangers of mercury in mm-hmm. These are profound topics. Okay, people aren't living and dying about it, but they're profound connections with them. So we build the sense of community one day. And I mean, we had kids who thought it was the most awesome things. Kids are like, if I have to listen to one more thing, but but we built a community about it. And so when I was meeting with the the leadership team, maybe a couple of weeks later, I was like, oh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. I said, but I know how much work it was. I, you know, I can understand we're kind of one and done with this. We're going to move on to a model. And they're like, oh no, Brian, I'm sure you can find another book for next year. And we've been doing it ever since the fall of 2013 to have an interdisciplinary day, including this past fall. And, and the, the, the books we have, I pick, and they usually have some sort of connection to, I don't know, an event, uh, a theme, something that we, uh, you know, are, are, are looking, to, looking to move forward this year. What did we do this year? Oh, this year we did the, um, the Tattooists of Auschwitz. It was interesting because it's funny. One of the things this was pre-pandemic that, that I just found that that, that kids were uh, for a long time. Swansea students used to get so much exposure to to the Holocaust and 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 uh, you know the literature of they would be doing Anne Frank and Ellie Wiesel's Night at middle school. So they would come here, and we wouldn't do a lot of it because they would have already had so much of it. But that, but then the tides have changed, and, and they're not coming with that base. And we, we found that any kids had a very a very shallow understanding of that, you know, of, of that terrible time in history. So the Tattooist of Auschwitz certainly was interesting here. I mean, we, we've had we've had great great books here, and I, I've chosen every one. Sometimes I I'm chewing I'm, I'm chewing which exactly which ones do we want, and I read 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 read. And this year, when we will announce for the fall of two thousand twenty one, will be the first time we've ever repeated a title because I think that is necessary. And I'll tell you what it is, because when this airs, it will already been announced here. We're going to return to pa- uh, Paulo Coelho's um, The Alchemist. There you go. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a very, very popular title when I first did, I think, in 2014 or 15. Um, but I think it will really resonate today. That we are all looking for something to connect to. We're all looking, you know, what, what is going to, you know, what, what in our life can turn into gold. And, and that we, no matter where you are, whether you're 13 or 14 or, or like me, 58 going on 59, you're always planning for your next adventure. What is next for you? And what are you doing to get there? So that's a long story, Dr. Jones, just, <laughs> just, just, I mean, about how, how we build community, but also how we model risk taking, risk taking as well. You know, I was going to say, I'm so glad you said that because you had mentioned the way we do our summer read, but I did steal from you the idea of interdisciplinary days after the read. And that's, that's what we do when we come back, because I, you know, who wants to come back and have a, 
uh, chance at a zero and reinforce the negative idea of reading is a pain. You never know who who, who is going to pick up that book after they've had been exposed to it after right. the disciplinary day. And that's so, the key. That's that's the key okay. to it. And you mentioned, you know, one of the one of the powerful things about that is education doesn't just have to be about in the classroom and stuff right. that comes out of textbooks in the classroom. And there's so much extra education that comes along with that, but. I'm glad you mentioned it because it's the second most important piece about that is the modeling of risk risk taking yeah, yeah, yeah. and the importance of modeling how to build that community everywhere from, you know, you, you deciding to do interdisciplinary days, you figuring out how to get the book, you, you doing this pep rally in the beginning of the year. If one of the things I wonder about that, that's community with everybody. What if you're a new principal or a principal in a new school? How do you get that kind of community building or do that kind of community building with your staff? Yeah, I, I mean, I I'm, do have the luxury, Chris, that, that when I first became principal, I, I had worked with all of these teachers in, in a number of capacities, you know, for more than a decade. And when I first became assistant principal, probably half the teachers were here when I went to high school. There, there, there's still... I mean, there, there are teachers in this building that, that I have supervised for, you know, over a decade, <laughs> almost two decades. I still call by Mr. and Mrs. because that's how I was raised. That's how I, when I met them in the 70s, I would no more call them by, by their first name uh, to, to give any scintilla of disrespect to them. These right. people, these, I love these people. These people have, have been part of, you know, molding me to, to who, you know, to who I am today. And I, I, I always say, if I've had any success in my life, the little bit of success I might've had, I'm going to credit Joseph Case High School and the wonderful teachers I had here who, who helped me build a really solid foundation. Um, I think that's but, but, another but going back to the new teacher. Yeah, you, 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 I, I think it, I think it's a rookie mistake to go into a new building with, you know, with having all your, your, you know, your rulers and the mechanical pencils blaring that you're going <laughs> to, you're going to change, change, change. You really have to stop and look where you are. You have to I'm... stop and look where you are as a school, as a school community to see to see how are you going to strategize to get where you want it's not like i, I it's not like i wake up in the morning and say oh i'm going to make a change today you know we we have to I, I tell, you know, all, all, all the assistant principals I've had over the years that sometimes you have to move like a cat. You have to wait there and just see what's going on and then slowly make your move in here. You, you, have, to, you have to realize that, that, that to do those things effectively, it has to be strategic. And if you don't have that foundation, you know, you might, it, it might backfire real early. And as a new principal, do you have the courage to say, this isn't working, we need to stop this now? There's the key. If you are risk-taking, because a lot of people are risk-averse, I find. And as a leader, if you're trying to, say you finally accepted the idea that you want to stand out there and take risks and get people concerned about taking risks, one of the reasons they're worried about risking things is because of failure. Yeah. So if you can't model the idea of being able to say, hey, look, I, I messed up. This isn't working out. I have to adjust it. Then why would they ever want to do that? So, so uh, two things with that. Hold on. <laughs> say two things. I just forgot the first one. <laughs> so start with number two. Start with number two. Failure. One, you know, you have like the, the opening, the opening of school assemblies. You meet with each class. I mean, we just had t- today. We just came back full time. Right? We, we, we have a, a full complement of students, less about 60 Full complement students. So we had like a reorientation. Anyway, but when when I begun any year, I always tell them about something I failed at. 
something I failed at in the past year. And I do that purposefully for them because it humanizes me. It says like, oh, you know, he, he, you know, you, you think he's all full of confidence and that, he, you know, he's going to laugh or sing or, or do whatever, be fabulous through this moment here. But there's things he fail, he fails at. So I pick one failure and what I tell him is I have so much to choose from. Pick and which, which one should I choose? And then tell them what I did with that failure. And after I did it the first time, I'm not even sure why I did it the first time. And it just popped into my head. I'm going to share a time I failed. It's probably the most feedback I ever got from parents. So the one that, you know, so on, I do a, like a Google slideshow with, and I have kind of like the poop emoji goes up and I'm going to, I'm going to tell about a time I failed. And, and the, the time I failed was when I took the Google certification test the first time. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, please. I can do Google. Really? Oh, I'm sure the test is real hard. I'm so smart. I can just do it. And you know, they had like a, um, uh, like the, uh, the Google apps for education. I'm not saying that right. It's a review class or something. Yeah, yeah, review class. I went through that. You, that clicker couldn't have gone any quicker. But I, I know this. I know this. I know this. I know this. I know how to do email. I know how to do YouTube videos. I know how to do that. Oh, please. I'm so smart for that. Anyway, I pay my whatever dollars. I do the, the, the class and I fail. I'm like, what? The wheels turning as they're assessing the test. <laughs> You failed, McCann. And I was so embarrassed and so mad. And I had a crown on my face. It was the summertime for, for like a week. And finally, we were driving home from the beach and my wife was like, what is wrong with you? And I said, oh, Kathy, I failed the Google certification <laughs> level one test. And she was like, is that it? I thought you, there was something wrong with you. I thought you had it like, like you were sick or something. I said, no, I can't believe I'm such a failure. She said, she said, well, well, did you study? for? Of course I studied for it. I prepared very hard for this. She said, really? I said, well, maybe I could have given a little bit more focus on it here. She said, oh, for goodness sake, just study harder and take it again. Can you take it again? Yes, I can take it again after two weeks or whatever the time I went. Anyway, so I studied. And I worked hard. And I, I even went away to a, a one-day boot camp on how to, on how to you know, kind of coach myself up for this thing. And I took the test and I passed. And I felt so great about that. So it's not so important that I failed. It's what I did with the failure. So again, you're modeling the grit. You're modeling the growth mindset. You're minding that persistence uh, pays off. And, and so, so every year I have some sort of story about that. And it was literally my, my sister-in-law, we were, we were at like a cookout or a birthday party. And my sister-in-law says, oh, uh, people were talking about you, Brian, from, you know, some of my friends in another town. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. She said, no. She said, did you really tell people about a time you failed? And I was like, Yes. She says, um, well, I think that is a little pause. And I was like waiting to hear whatever negative comment. I was, I think that is the most important thing that I, I ever heard that a principal has done with their people. I was like all of a sudden very interested in the conversation because <laughs> I was I was being portrayed in a positive light. They were saying how great it was. Anyway, so that encouraged me to just find a failure each year to, to talk about. But, but I mean, really, how, how, how empowering for students to know that you're going to fall down, you're going to scrape your knee, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna bang your lip up here. What do you do with that? What do you do? Right. With that? And, and I, I had on my pity pants. I had a little pity party, you know, for a couple of weeks. Um, then, and you can feel bad about it. Then what are you going to do to move on? 
Yeah. Every, everybody feels bad from time to time, but as long as you don't set up camp there. Right. Exactly. Right, right, right. It, it might've been a tent. It might've been a tent instead of a mobile home. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the tent gets smaller as you learn how to do yeah, it better and better yeah, each time. So I think that was great. But, but like as, as a new administrator, as a new administrator, I'm sure it's everything you can do to just schedule the building, to figure out the schedule and, and, and the dynamics. I mean, I knew the dynamics of the building. I knew, you know, who, who, who was a naturally a collaborator, who is naturally a door shutter, just me. I mean, when I began teaching, you would never share your materials. That was a sign of weakness. If you ever asked anyone for help and really, and in 2021, excuse me, it's all about collaboration. Right. right. Haven't we gone? We we we've gone to the opposite end. Yeah, and and for the better of everybody, Absolutely. because now that we're collaborating, everybody's getting more creative, and we have to to solve some you of these issues. To. You have to, but I I think to be a, a new principal in a building in a new district is a tough job, and I think you have to take the time to you know to to do a soil sample. What is the soil made of, uh, in, in the place you are? Because before you put in. Seeds and fertilizer, you better know what, what makes up your soil. There's a little agrarian metaphor that, for this. That's, that's all right. That analogy works well. Why don't uh, we take a second here and we'll hear from some of the sponsors of the show and then we'll, we'll come on back. Awesome. Today's podcast is brought to you by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the place out-of-the-box leaders in education turn to to grow their leadership skills. Maybe you're interested in making better decisions, creating your idea week, or building a world-class culture. Learn more at betterleadersbetterschools.com. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And so we're back with Brian. And um, we're having a really good conversation about the importance of modeling and taking risks. One of the things that has to do with that, I find, is the ability to, moving off of a failure, is the ability to reflect on that failure and kind of find the, the wins in that. Mm-hmm. And it's really important for everybody to always reflect, either whether it's a win or a loss. And I know that you talk about reflecting on your why. So how important is that for school leaders and do you have some strategies to help people reflect on their why or just reflect in general? Yeah, that, that's a great. And, and you know what? That, that, was, that is exactly what I was going to, to tell a, a young uh, administrator. Are you providing your stakeholders, your teachers, your, your, your parents, families, your students with your why? So because, again, you know, I said about you coming in there with all your, your rulers and mechanical pencils blazing. Yeah. Are you giving them the why? rather than change for change's sake. That was it. So thank you, Dr. Jones. But reflection, reflection will recalibrate your your why, I think. But how do we reflect? I mean, sometimes, 
Sometimes we are so exhausted as school, as school administrators, like driving home, you're like, oh, I, I don't even know if I can keep my eyes open on the drive home. I'm just so mentally and then physically exhausted. I remember that. I remember having young kids and driving home thinking, I, I could just pull over right now and go to sleep have yeah, a little yeah. nap. I really could. And, you know, you, you have to, have to prioritize self-care. You have to. And how are you going to find some quiet in each day? Because I don't want to hear, I'm so busy. I, you can find a few minutes of quiet. So on your ride home, though, you have to stay, you know, mindful of the road. And I mean, I, my commute is nothing. I have an 18 minute commute. I go one red light. I mean, literally, it's all country back roads, one red light. I, I can't complain about my commute. And it's been my commute for, you know, over 30 years. So, but, but sometimes when you're driving, that's not, it's certainly reflection, reflection occurs, but you're, you're still multitasking. And there's nothing worse than all of a sudden saying, I don't remember the past five miles. Right, right. That, that's, that's not good that, either. That's so not how, paying attention. No, that's not paying <laughs> attention. Um, so how are you going to find you know, time in your day. And I used to be the one like, I am so busy. I have no time for this. I have no time for that. And that wasn't, that wasn't good for Brian. So what I, what I really have started to do, and it's only been, only really been in the past year is I walk in the morning before school. So like you, Chris, I'm an early riser. I have no problem getting up early. It's a little tough, like the first three minutes. Sure. But once I'm up and, and, and have my, you know, my, my um, walking clothes on, I'm good there. But I walk four miles in the morning and I don't use a headphone. I don't listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts because I don't want the noise. I just want quiet. I just want, I want, I want a very natural setting that I'm um, attuned to what is going on around me, that I can just let my mind be free. The other thing is you have to sleep. You have to get a decent amount of sleep because sleep is the custodian of the mind, right? Sleep will clean up all of the cobwebs in your head and start you fresh every day. And and I I, I took I took that custodian of the mind from a Weight Watchers meeting I went to in the in the past in the past um, I don't know six months here. The the facilitator said that I said that is the most brilliant thing I've ever said I've I've ever heard. So when I walk in the morning, I don't have headphones. I'm not listening to music. I'm not listening to the news. I'm not listening to a podcast. I just think, and usually I think something will will jump in my mind of a problem we're having. It's school or scheduling or how we're going to do that. And I'm going to tell you, Chris, more often than not, at the end of the four miles, I have a solution. It might not always be the right solution, but it's something to then work on through the computer or through another meeting or how am I going to approach this? It's all of that, all of that stuff. So it's finding time with quiet to reflect. And in that reflection, you will find the solution to your problem. I'm very, I I am confident about that. But a, a new administrator might have trouble finding that time. Or people who have young families. I don't know how I did it when, when my kids were babies. I was a new principal and they were babies at home. And my wife traveled internationally for her job. I had a lot going on. So that I didn't have too much reflection time. It was all I could do to, you know, put <laughs> food on the table, give the kid baths and put them to bed as early as possible. Uh, yeah, not fall asleep. And not fall asleep, right? So I, I think my, my my career early on suffered from a lack of reflection because we were always then reactive. When you reflect, you can be proactive. 
when you're just doing the job and you're just reacting about this crisis or reacting about this parent's phone call, reacting about this demand from the state here, it's not good. You're going to have to react, but you shouldn't just have to react. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's the idea of what you said that everybody says, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. It doesn't have to be some 45 minute session um, for reflection to get you started, um, I find. And if you can just find some quiet time, because it, it equates to one of the things I do with my own two sons is I let them be bored. Because once they're bored, they only stay bored for probably about two minutes before they become creative. Mm-hmm. with that space that they have where something else isn't leading them. So the idea of you walking in the morning and just complete quiet is is fantastic and a great way to reflect. So I have to, we're getting near the end and I, I, I like to ask two questions of everybody that comes on. And the first one of the two is if you were not a principal or a leader, who else, not what, would you be? Who else would I be? Yeah. Who else would I be if I wasn't a leader? I, I probably would would have well I, for, for, for so long I didn't know who I wanted to be right I, I, I with my uh, liberal arts education from a good school and then I got a master's degree from a good school and I thought I want I thought I wanted to be a reporter and then I learned very quickly I didn't I just didn't want to go talk to people at their most vulnerable low times to, you know how you feeling about this well guess how I'm feeling I'm feeling terrible. This is bad. Uh, and then, I, you know, education kind of found me here. I, I think because I do love the theater so much, I would I would like to do something in the theater. I'm not talking about be a star or be an actor here. I probably would have been interested in, in doing something in, in arts administration or 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 something like that. I, I do my, my, my time working with the theater students in Swansea in the nineties and two thousands, uh, in the eighties, nineties and two thousands, I should say was, was perhaps my favorite years. Uh, we did some great, great work and, you know, I, some close friendships were developed then. And we, we look back at that time. It is a wonderful time when I, when I directed, you know, for, for, for in the, in, within the community, the larger community here, those relationships and, and productions always resonate with me here. I think I would like to, uh, I would have done something professionally in, in, in the theater, whatever that would have been. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you said you didn't know for a while. Oh my gosh. Because I think sometimes, you know, you, you run into a lot of people out there that aren't quite sure what they want to do, or they say they're not following their passion or anything like that, because they tend to get stuck in a rut and that there's nothing I, well, there are some things I like less than that, but seeing students who think they only have one path or one direction, because that's what's been fed to them and they think they need to know. So I'm glad that you said that. Because I think that's important for for leaders to understand as well that um, there are a lot of people who go not knowing for a while, and that's okay as long as they're actually working towards finding out. Yeah, I, I always think you know I'm right now I'm in my late fifties. I will be retiring, you know, with, within a in the foreseeable future. What's my next adventure? I, I think about that a lot. What is my next adventure? Yeah, where where does it where does it lie? That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, it will be fabulous, though. That's right. There you go. Mr. Fabulous. That's right. That's right. Last question. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to support, engage, and empower teachers in their buildings? Don't be mediocre. Don't be mediocre. Go all in. You know the teachers you had in high school 
who were phoning it in, right? They knew they were phoning it in as well. You know, you, you, you've been in, in a few different buildings. You, you, you know when someone needs a, a recalibration to find out, you know, you know when a person has lost their why. Let's go back to that. Help that person find it again. Help that person find it again. And maybe they'll find it through your modeling because they can see through you the possibility of tomorrow. I, I can't imagine somebody not wanting to get in touch with you. So what's the easiest way to reach out to you if they want to do any follow-up? Yeah, I, certainly. Um, I, I love my social media. You can always find me on Twitter at Case High Prince. That's uh, C-A-S-E-H-I-G-H-P-R-I-N-C. No E for like Case High Principle. So that, that's it. Certainly, certainly you want to email me at the high school. I'd be more than happy to. Please join the 9,000 emails I get every day, like every other, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Administrator. I, I think mm-hmm. that social media is a great, a great place to, to, make an, to make an acquaintance. I believe in the power of social media. I think social media has made me a better leader because, again, it shows me the possibility of tomorrow because there are so many people out there that I'm like, oh, my goodness, they do such great work. If only I could dot, dot, dot. And then, you know, through through fate or through uh, through the universe, you meet these people face to face. That's life changing. Right. Like when when did you meet your, meet a hero of yours that you never thought you would come face to face with? Wasn't it life changing? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I, th- I think social media is a wonderful thing. I've been on the other end of social media when it's not such a wonderful thing. But, you know, as my wife said, if you're loving those good days, Brian, you better be prepared for the bad ones as well. That's a great piece of advice as well. Oh, I'm loving it when they say I'm fabulous or he did this video or he didn't, isn't he wonderful? And he has his signs and all that. So they, I'm loving it then. But when they, they, they you know, when, when it's a, a meeting of the hate club, I, I don't like it so much, but, you know, my, my adult shoes and, you know, muddle through it. There you go. Well, thanks, Brian. I can't thank you enough. I always love having conversations with you, and I'm I'm always learning every time I talk to you, so I, I really appreciate it. Back at you, my friend. Back at you. Okay. Thank you. I pre- appreciate spending a few minutes with you as well today. All right. Okay. Stay strong. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team. And when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. 
Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.